Hey, welcome. Good morning. Come on in. Good to have you all here this morning. If you're here as a guest, my name's Mark. I serve as the teaching pastor here at Redeeming Grace Church. And a uh, couple, um, couple little administrative things we forgot to mention uh, prior to the break. One is, what time would that class start next week? If it was a Sunday school class, you'd expect it to start the Know and Share the Gospel class. It would start at 8.30, standard RGC time. 8.30 next Sunday. And then also, uh, when someone gets baptized, we trust the Holy Spirit to work powerfully in that person's life. And so we want to have a, a, an opportunity to pray uh, for that person. And so we're going to pray for Joel after the service in the prayer room back there. So if anybody would like to be a part of that, please join us back there. As we are in the second uh, message in a series on the Ten Commandments, I want to just mention that we have a really fine book that accompanies the series. It's called The Ten Commandments by Kevin DeYoung, What They Mean, Why They Matter, and Why We Should Obey Them. And we're still in the sort of introductory stages of the the series this morning, but starting next Sunday, we're going to just roll through each of the commandments one at a time. So I would encourage you to pick up a copy of this. They're six bucks. It's half price. They're in in our bookstore. And just so for next Sunday, just read that the chapter about the first commandment. And especially I would encourage you, there are four questions at the end of the chapter that I think if you take some time to think about those, you'll find that stimulating as you begin to try to put it into practice in your own life. Now, as we get started with this series, um, I, I just want to pose the question, why would anyone care about keeping the Ten Commandments? Most people have heard of the Ten Commandments. Not many people know them and many people when they think about the ten commandments might just think well why those are relics they're they're ancient rules uh from from days gone by so why would we want to study these things what relevance would they have to us well the short answer is they are incredibly relevant because they actually provide a blueprint for life We were made by God to live in a relationship with him and in community, in relationship with others. And the Ten Commandments provide a blueprint, a framework for how those relationships work, first with God and then with others. These are not a list of sort of arbitrary rules. The Ten Commandments are what what God's character would look like if it could get translated into human life, into human living and, 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 and behavior. And so if you look at Jesus, if you read that Gospel of John that David was mentioning earlier, you will find that Jesus embodies the Ten Commandments. He lives them out, loving God and loving neighbor. And he then calls people to be like him, to follow him and be conformed into his image. And so we would hope that every person in our church community would know the Ten Commandments, memorize them, know them by heart, would understand what they mean, how they work out, what it looks like in real life, and then would keep them, would be committed to, to doing them. These are, these are goals for our series, and they are important, and yet for many of us, they are also quite unfamiliar. And so that's why we chose to begin the series not just with one, but actually with two introductory messages so last week, Vince did a, just a wonderful job. And if you weren't here last week, I'd really encourage you to, to watch or listen to the, the message that he gave. He just posed the question, 
Why do we need the Ten Commandments? Here was the opening slide. I don't know. I found it funny when I saw that go up on the screen. He does need the Ten Commandments. And Mark needs the Ten Commandments. And you need the Ten Commandments. So we actually all need the Ten Do you get it? Like, it's kind of rippling. Like, who needs them? Name there. Okay. <clears throat> that was my best attempt at humor for 2020, so it's all going to be downhill from there. Sorry. The, the fact is, Jesus' disciples are called to know him, to love him, and to obey him. And keeping the Ten Commandments is an expression of discipleship of, uh, of Jesus, of, of, of following him. So he addressed the who needs them question. And the, and the answer is we as his disciples, actually all of mankind is called to, 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 to follow God and to, to keep God's commands. And so who needs them? Well, the next, the next question uh, that we were going to address today was then why keep them? What relevance do they, do they have in the life of a believer, and I wanted to highlight how in verse 2 of Exodus 20, before he gives the list of the Ten Commandments, he says this. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And the sequence of this is very important because God has brought his people out of slavery in Egypt. He's delivered them. He's redeemed them. He's made a covenant with them. He's making them his people. And then he says, now here's how I want you to live. We've got to get that because keeping the Ten Commandments doesn't bring you out of Egypt. It keeps you free. Keeping the Ten Commandments doesn't make you a Christian. It, it enables you to walk in the freedom that Christ has purchased for you. That was the plan to talk about for today, and we will talk about that throughout the series. But on Tuesday, Martha Weaver sent an email to uh, Vince and uh, Kenneth and I as well, and she just asked this. She said, as you continue in this series, will you help us remember that it is only by the power of the Spirit that we can keep these commandments. I want you to hear that again. Will you help us remember that it is only by the power of the Spirit that we can keep these commandments? This must be said, taught, preached, and shouted on a regular basis. Now, as Vince read that and then relayed his thoughts to, to Kenneth and me, we had a conversation. We spent some time talking about this and praying about this on Tuesday, and it really resonated with us. We need to remember the Holy Spirit. Many of us may feel at times, maybe at this time, do you, do you feel a sense of apathy in your Christian life? A lack of hunger for God? If you just slow down enough to just do some spiritual inventory, how are you doing? Is there maybe even for some a sense of boredom with what it actually means to be a Christian? You know, this happens in the lives of believers, but we don't have to stay in that place. We can be reminded that it's only by the power of the Spirit that we can follow Christ and love Him. This can change. We can become awakened and revived, renewed, and, and freshly excited about Christ and His kingdom. And that happens when we're freshly filled with the Holy Spirit, reminded of our need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and then actively leaning on and calling out to and expressing our dependence upon the Holy Spirit. And so, Martha, thank you for your help in <clears throat> encouraging us in this direction this morning. And so the, what we're going to do today is we're going to shift gears, and I'm going to just pose this simple question, how? 
How can we keep the Ten Commandments? And the short answer is, not on your own. Right? Not on your own. We need to be reminded of this. We need to remember the Holy Spirit. We can only keep the Ten Commandments by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, we want to know them, understand them, and keep them. And so, as we get started today, uh, you may have gotten a card like this coming in. Did you get a card like this coming in? Wave it at me. if you get, Anybody get one? A few of you got one. Okay. Um, so, we're going to say this together. You, it'll be on the screen. These uh, cards are, uh, have the Ten Commandments in two sections. The first section, sometimes referred to as the first table of the law, the first, this is the first four commandments. They relate to our relationship with God. The second table of the law, the second six, they have to do with our relationships with other people. With, so it's loving God and loving your neighbor. So let's say this. This is the abbreviated version that comes from the New City Catechism. This is what we're memorizing together as a church. So I'm going to ask you the question, and then we can all give the answer out loud together, okay? So what is the first table of the law? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And what's the second table of the law? Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not covet. There's the call. There's the claim from God upon our lives. Now, the question for us this morning is, how can we live that way? And so I turn your attention to John chapter 14, verses 15 to 17. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, Because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You hear that echo from Ezekiel 36? He dwells with you and will be in you. Let's pray. Oh God, we this morning want to remember the Holy Spirit. We thank you. For the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. For the new covenant in Christ's blood. We thank you for the internal work of the Spirit. And we pray as a congregation this morning. Fill us freshly with the Spirit. Empower us freshly. Awaken and revive and stir us. And enable us to walk by the Spirit's power. And be faithful covenant keeping disciples of Jesus we pray. How can we keep the Ten Commandments? These three verses answer that question in two parts. The first is this. If you're going to keep the Ten Commandments, you must be convinced that you must keep them. Right? Be convinced that you must. You must be persuaded that keeping the commands is a part of discipleship. And so, John 14, 15, we just read, Jesus himself says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Now, isn't obedience, I mean, for some of us, when we hear that word, obey, keep commands, language like that, that, there can be sort of this instinctive reaction against that. Isn't obedience confining, people ask? Isn't 
religion that demands obedience, just a recipe for drudgery, for rule keeping, for legalism and emptiness. Isn't Christianity really, isn't it the religion of love and not of rules? Well, Christianity really is the religion of of love. That's true. And without love, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Without love, we end up like Pharisees who are simply holding a form of religion but losing the heart of it. And yet, the question for us is, how do you know what love is? Who decides what love looks like? Movies, songs, contemporary culture continually tell you that you can decide for yourself what love is. But the question we need to ask ourselves is this. Are we wise enough and good enough to figure out what love is? What does Jesus have to say about this? Jesus does not encourage people to follow their hearts. Jesus does not affirm people's right to determine what's right or wrong for themselves. Jesus instead says, repent and believe. He says, if you want to follow me, deny yourself. There are things going on inside of you that you need to turn away from and disassociate yourself from. Listen, Jesus claims the authority here in verse 15 to tell us how to love And he says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Now, if you're here back in September, we did a series on discipleship. And this was the text for the message. We talked about disciples are people who know, love and obey Jesus and encourage others to do the same. And in the disciples obey Jesus, this verse 15 was the text for that series because for that message, because Jesus here wonderfully defines what loving him looks like and he connects love and obedience in a way that our world and often our instincts typically don't do now we would ask then he says you will keep my commandments what are his commandments well down in verse 23 he says if anyone loves me he will keep my word and my father will love him in verse 24 he says whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine but the father's who sent but the father's who sent me and so what he's saying is that his his commandments his teaching to us his claim on our lives it's well it's the it's the broad sweep of everything that's in his words to us it's what he has to say to us and it's actually not originating with him it's what the father gives him to pass along to us now does that include the ten commandments i believe that that does include the ten commandments because in his life in his character and in his teaching jesus affirms the ten commandments in a variety of ways in the sermon on the mount which vince uh, referred to last week he takes the sixth commandment you shall not murder and he affirms it and then he deepens it and says that and that goes to anger as well he takes the the seventh commandment adultery and he says No adultery, but deeper than that, no lust as well. He urges in in Matthew 19, he urges a young man to keep commandments 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. When Jesus is personally fighting off the devil's temptations and he's, he's lured by the devil to receive all this glory that the devil offers him so that 
He can have all this, this, this power. He, Jesus responds by, by quoting a verse from Scripture that's really just a, a restating of the first commandment. He says, no, look, you love the Lord your God, no one else, God first and God only. Jesus not only teaches these commands, he embodies them in his life. He lives out what it looks like to have no God before God, to honor the name of God, to keep the Sabbath day holy and not murder and and love instead and, and, and so on. Jesus not only embodies these things in his life, he pays the price for our breaking of these commandments in his death in a substitutionary way for us. Jesus says he hasn't come to abolish these commands, but to fulfill them. And then he keeps them all perfectly. And that has powerful effect on us because it's not only an example for us, but listen, when you turn with faith towards Christ, all his commandment keeping gets credited to your account as a statement of righteousness. And so his commandment keeping life is so vital to us. It models for us what it looks like to love God and it imparts to us a righteousness as he takes away the penalty for our sins at the cross. Then there's this also this substitution where he gives us the credit for this righteousness so that we can be in a right relationship with God. So Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands, just like he loved the father and kept the father's commands. So we must be convinced of the reality and the fact that that keeping his commands is a must for us. If we're going to know how to keep his commands, the starting point is, are you persuaded that it's something that you must do? That's the first thing. Now, the second thing is you also must be persuaded that you can't do it. You must be persuaded that you can't do it on your own. Where's that in the text? Look what happens. He says, look, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And then look at verse 16. He says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus calls for his disciples to show their love for him by keeping his commands, right? And then what's the next thing he says? He talks about the Holy Spirit. Why does he go from, hey, loving obedience to the Holy Spirit? Why does verse 15 transition into verse 16? He calls for obedience and then he promises the Holy Spirit. Why? He promises another helper like him to be with you forever. Why? What's the connection Between the Holy Spirit, the helper, the one who is with the disciples and will be in them. What's the connection between that and their loving obedience of Christ? We need to get this. The connection is power. It's power. The Holy Spirit provides the power to do what we cannot do on our own, and that's to obey God. Look, it's great to know what Jesus calls us to do. It's vital. We have to know his claim on our lives. We have to know his will for our lives. But people have known God's will for centuries and they haven't been able to keep it. I want you to just track with me for a minute. If you were here last Sunday, 
Vince took us in Exodus 20 to this scene at Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, Israel, as they've been brought out of slavery to Egypt, they're, they're assembled there before this mountain, and God comes on the scene. And it's terrifying. There's thunder and lightning. The, the earth is shaking. After the people hear this voice, they say to Moses, don't let this God talk to us. You go talk to him. Tell us what he says. We don't want to be anywhere near this. And so Moses goes up the mountain. He gets these Ten Commandments. And while he's up there, he, he's up there for a long time because God's got a lot of other things that he's telling him. And God gives him two pieces of rock, two stones. And on each of those, he's written the Ten Commandments. It's probably two copies of the same thing, one to go in the Ark of the Covenant and the other to have before them so they can remember them. While he's up there for these 40 days, if you've read the story in Exodus, you know what happens. The people get bored. They say, look, this guy's gone. We don't know what's happening. He's never coming back. And so let's have a party and let's make some new gods for ourselves. And so they make this golden calf. And so when Moses comes down 40 days later with the Ten Commandments that have already been utterly destroyed by the, how the, way, the, the, the way the people are living, he breaks those tablets of stone, rebukes the people. All kinds of bad stuff goes on. And those people who heard those commands, who knew God's will for their lives, you know what they did with it? Nothing. They were so rebellious that they had to perish 40 years in the wilderness. The whole country had to wait 40 years for a new generation to, to come out. And so in Deuteronomy 5, 40 years later, Moses preaches this same sermon about the Ten Commandments. And the people say, we're in. We're going to do this. And they go into the promised land. And of course, what do they do? Read Judges. Read Samuel, Kings. Chronicles for 750 years. Sure, there's a few high points. There's, a, there's some obedience here and there. There's some glorifying and loving God. But for the most part, it's stiff-necked, hard-hearted rebellion. And so, 750 years of, of this, God says, you're, you're done in the promised land and you're going off to exile. And in the midst of that, he makes these promises to his prophets that he's going to do a new thing. You heard one of them in the baptism from Exodus 26. I want you to hear the other one that's so key in Jeremiah 31. He promises to do this new thing. He says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. He gave them everything they could possibly need. And they didn't, wouldn't, and couldn't keep his commands. They broke this covenant. So he says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. I will put my law. Did you see that? He doesn't say I'll put my word within them. He doesn't say, I'll put my promises within them. He says, I'll put my law, his commands, the whole breadth of all that he's revealed to us about who he is and what it means to follow him. I'll put this within them and I'll write it on their hearts. Think about that. He wrote it on rocks. And he says, I'm going to write it on human hearts. 
And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. The problem for disciples, the problem for the people of God, isn't just knowing his will. It isn't just knowing his commands. It's also having the power, the inclination, the desire to do that will and to keep those commands. And so, 750 years after this promise to Jeremiah, Jesus comes. And he says, I'm going to make a new covenant tonight, right now. It's happening. A new covenant in my blood. And he makes this promise. He says to his disciples, the Spirit the Comforter, the Counselor. He will be with you forever and He will be in you. The promise of Ezekiel. The promise of Jeremiah. And less than two months after that, the Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost. And the disciples receive the power from on high from this new covenant to then have new hearts, to then desire to walk in his ways and keep his commands. And so, brothers and sisters, we must remember the Holy Spirit. Knowing God's will, knowing God's commands is not enough. We must have power on the inside to be inclined that way, to desire that way, and to learn how to walk with God. And the way that happens is by the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I will ask the Father and give you another helper. That word in the Greek is parakletos, paraclete. It's a hard word to translate. We don't have a a perfect one-for-one translation in in English. And so helper is, 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 is helpful. Helper in the sense of someone who comes alongside and helps you move forward. Counselor in the sense of someone who defends you legally. A comforter, not in the sense of a blanket, but a comforter the sense of one who gives you strength when, you weak, when you're weak, who encourages you when you're down, who lifts you up when you're discouraged. That's, those are the things that the paraclete, the encourager, the, the comforter, the advisor does. He gives us eyes to see the truth about Jesus. He brings us the conviction that we need to recognize that we must keep Christ's commands. But he also measures us and shows us how we can't keep those commands on our own. And then he gives us these new hearts. He regenerates us. We are born again. There's a new life inside of every believer so that now we have the desire and the power to want to repent and follow Christ. That all happens by the power of the Holy Spirit working on the interior of our lives. He will be in you. Do you know that power? If you're a believer, you have that power. You know what it's like to be powerless. I have this cordless shaver I take with me when I travel. It's good for two weeks. I was taking a long trip. Didn't bring my charger because it's going to work for two weeks. I got wherever I was going the first morning, went to turn on the electric razor, and somehow it was powerless. I don't know what happened, but somehow it was completely discharged. And so click, 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 no noise, no shaving problem, no power. Christian life, how do we live? Where's the power come from? The power comes 
from the Holy Spirit. Listen, Jesus has been teaching these disciples. He's going to be leaving. Edwin preached a couple weeks ago to us about that. They're, they're nervous about that. They don't know what that's going to be like. But he's saying, look, something better is going to happen. It's good to know what he calls us to do. It's good to have him there counseling and advising us. But how much better to have his spirit in you who can not only counsel and advise, but also empower you to do what he's called you to do. Which would you rather have? A coach or a new power on the inside? We have that new power through the wonderful news of Christ's death and resurrection. That is the inheritance of every Christian. And yet we need to stir this up. We need to remind ourselves of these things. We need to ask God to to meet us, to awaken us, to arouse us. We find ourselves lethargic. We can find ourselves apathetic. We can find ourselves careless or caring less about the things of God's kingdom and caring more about other things. And so we need seasons when we stir this up. And we, we so this morning we just want to remember the Holy Spirit. And and as a church we, we want to learn to walk by the Spirit's power. So as we go through the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments give us this wonderful ethical framework for how to live and what it looks like to love God and to love our neighbor. But we want to remember as we go through that, we will only learn about how to do that. We won't be able to, to, to do that unless the Spirit is empowering us to do that. So we want to be actively relying on the Holy Spirit. So this wonderful verse in Galatians 5, but I say, walk by the Spirit. This is the apostolic counsel to a church. This is God's word to us. Brothers and sisters, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you learn to walk by the Spirit, you will keep God's commands instead of disregarding or disobeying God's commands. So the question then for us is, if we need the Holy Spirit's power and we have it, how do we activate that? How do we walk by the Spirit? And I just just want to offer a few thoughts for us this morning. How do we walk by the Spirit's power so that we can keep His commands, so that we can love Christ and follow Him and obey Him and proclaim Him to others? Have you ever been on a walk with a friend? How do you do that? Well, you stick together, right? You walk at the same speed. You sync up your steps. You have a conversation. You're walking with a friend. You, you, You talk back and forth. You listen to her. You talk to him. Walking with him is like that. Jesus knows that we need the empowering of the Spirit. And so... He invites us to ask for a fresh empowering of the Spirit so that we can walk with Him. In Luke 11, Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. And what are we to ask for? He says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So we ask the Father to give us more of the Spirit and then to help us learn how to walk with Him. And as we go through our day, think about what's going to happen. What's going to happen this afternoon, tomorrow, next week, next month? What are you thinking about? Where are your temptations? What are you worried about? What are you excited about? In in all these things, we want to walk 
by the Spirit. So we want to call out to him. Right? Where are you tempted today? Right now. We want to call out to him. Are, do you find yourself just in a, in a spiritually dry or low place? We want to call out to him. Ask for the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Call on the Spirit. Are you bored with the Christian life? Call out to God. Don't stay in that place. Ask the Spirit to revive you, to awaken you, to recharge you. We have the Spirit, but we need to keep asking for fresh filling, for fresh empowerment. We want to walk by the Spirit. Listen, this week when you're caught in anger or lust, when that page or that link is in front of you on your phone, or on your computer, that's the moment to call out, Spirit of God, I cannot do this on my own, but I must. So help me now. Hear me. Empower me. I want to glorify Christ. In those moments when you're angry, you're tempted to lie, you find yourself overwhelmed by anxiety, you're discouraged, those are the times to walk by the Spirit. Remember that He's there. Call on him. Ask him to freshly fill you and empower you. Confess your need for him and your desire to fight against these sins, but your weakness and and your desire to love Christ, but, but your sense of being pulled by love for other things. Oh, God, help me now. I have these desires to whatever it is, fill in the blank. But God, I want to I want to love you. Holy Spirit, help me keep these commands. I know I love Christ. I want to follow him, but I feel so weak. Give me power now to turn away from these temptations. We, we want to we learn to walk by the Spirit as we go through our everyday life. One way you can walk by the Spirit, you know, you're having, a, you're having a walk with a friend. What do you do? You talk to each other. How do you hear the Holy Spirit talk to you? Well, the primary way is, did you know he wrote a book? He did. It's a bestseller. It's called the Bible. So if you want to know what he has to say to you, read his book and talk to him about it. Right? That's how we hear his voice to us. He, he does give us impressions. He is present inside of us, and we're grateful for those things. But he's also given us this wonderful revelation, this wonderful book that he's breathed out, inspired for us. So we want to, when, when you open your Bible, open your heart to God. When you open your Bible and you begin to read it, Call out to the Spirit. Ask Him to open your heart to what's plainly there in front of you, but you're going to miss without His help. Meditate on what He has to say to you. Take His words and memorize them. Chew on them. Eat them. Swallow them. Digest them. Hide His commandments in your heart so that you might not sin against Him. That's all part of walking by the Spirit. Listen, the Ten Commandments, these are a gift from God. They're an expression of His love to us. These help us know His will for our lives. These help us know what does it look like to love God, to love our neighbor. What does it look like in real life, Northern Virginia, commuting on the Beltway, Going to school, what does it look like at home with your kids? What does it look like 
on the computer, on your phone? What does it look like paying the bills and making decisions about what you're going to buy or not buy or whatever? What does it look like when you're in conflict with someone? What does it look like when the neighbor is irritating you again? What does it look like in those moments to be a Christian, to follow Jesus, the Ten Commandments? Help us get a picture, a framework for what that looks like. And that will be helpful to the degree that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to then do what we see. Right? Not only knowing, it's keeping. And we have this incredible gift. The prophets promised. Going to do a new thing. And we get that new thing. We live on that side of the new covenant. And so God is in you, brothers and sisters in Christ, to help you defeat temptation. The Spirit will help you love and obey Christ today. The Ten Commandments are a wonderful gift to help us live in that way. The Comforter has come to encourage and strengthen. The Counselor has come to defend, protect. The Helper has come to assist and urge you along to exhort and call us to follow Christ faithfully to our last breath. How can we t- keep the Ten Commandments? How can we do it? You must do them. You can't on your own. But the good news is there's more news. You can because you have the Holy Spirit. We are inheritors of a new covenant. We can't keep them on our own, but we can keep them as we walk by the Spirit. So let us be convinced that we must keep these commands. Let us be convinced that we cannot keep these commands apart from the empowering of the Spirit. And church, I just want to encourage you, beginning of 2020, let's, as a church, let's just call out to the Holy Spirit during this season. Let's call out to the Spirit for a fresh empowering. Wouldn't it be amazing to just be freshly awakened, freshly thrilled with Christ, freshly emboldened to stand for Him in whatever places He provides us opportunities, to walk with Him in purity and holiness, to love Jesus, to keep His commands. That's all possible for us because of what Christ has done to us in going to the Father and sending the Spirit. So would you stand with me, please? And Matt's going to come. We're going to just sing a chorus together, just expressing our need for the Lord and for this empowering by the Spirit.